0: Welcome to the 67th episode of the KO podcast. Today we are here to preview UFC 275. This is a pretty good pay-per-view. Nothing special as far as pay-per-views go. But I think there are a lot of really interesting fights and a lot of fun fights that I am excited to talk about today. So we're going to get started right at the main event as always. This card is headlined by Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prohashka. Now, uh, for those who don't know, Glover Teixeira is a UFC vet and has been in the company for as long as anyone. Started fighting mixed martial arts in 2002. I believe he is now 42 years old, and he is facing the next generation of light heavy, light heavyweights in Yuri Prohashka I, I really like both of these fighters and, and how they fight. There are there are reasons to think that both guys can win this fight. I know Yuri Prohashka is a big time favorite on the betting lines, and I think most people believe Yuri Prohashka is going to win, but I, I really see some ways that Glover Teixeira can get this done. Um let's you know, the the two big outcomes here for me are Yuri Prohashka by early knockout round one or round two. Or Glover Teixeira by submission round one round two or round three I have a hard time thinking this gets past the third round just based off how all the uh, how both these guys fight now in terms of uh, a, a fighter by fighter breakdown I really like the way Yuri Prohaska strikes he is very unique on the feet and He's even more unique, considering that's the way he fights at heavyweight. He moves more like a middleweight, and I think that is why he is so successful, is because of his movement. And he has good movement, but then he also has an 80-inch reach and a strong jab and a strong cross, which makes it really hard to, to win any outside battle with Yuri Prohoshka. Yuri Prohoshka can, can stay on the outside all night long if he wants to. He usually chooses not to, but he could stay on the outside and pick guys apart with his jab if he tried to do so. But he is more than willing to enter the pocket. He will enter the pocket, and he does so with some really unorthodox entries. And he does so while throwing from some really unorthodox angles. And it causes a lot a lot of guys a lot of problems. And... When he gets inside, he has the ability to knock you out. I mean, everyone has seen what he has done to Vulcan Ozdemir and Dominic Reyes. Two absolute highlight reel knockouts, and he has great, great power in those hands. Um, on the flip side, we have Glover Teixeira, and Glover Teixeira is a tremendous grappler. When I see what he did to Jan Blachowicz, I am very, very impressed, and that's not the only fight that he's grappled in, but that is his most recent fight, so that's more relevant than any other fight. So what he did was he gets that early takedown, and he does so with a single leg, and he gets Yan in the middle of the octagon. There are, are a lot of guys in the UFC who when they go for takedowns, they only go for takedowns by pushing their opponent to the fence and getting a body lock and, and going for a trip or going for a double leg off the fence. But Glover's ability to go out there and get a single-leg takedown in open space is very underrated, because what that does is that gets him top position in the middle of the octagon, and, and that makes it so much harder for the opponent to get off, up off bottom. And if they do get up, they put in more work getting up in comparison to if you're if you get taken down by the fence. And when he does get on top, look at what he did against Jan Blachowicz. He buries his forehead right in the chin of Blahovic, And he does that to control position, right? He does that to... And that makes it so much harder for Jan Blahovic to get out. And then as he's doing that, he's throwing elbows. And real short elbows, right? He's just grazing. And he's he's throwing some short fists. And he's throwing to the body. But he's doing all of these things. That just absolutely wear on you. Because he is suffocating from the top. And I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is on the top. And the other big thing with Glover is he is so durable. I mean, looking at his fight with Tiago Santos, he got hit with the, with the absolute kitchen sink. And he comes back to win that fight. And I know Tiago Santos hasn't performed well as of late. But in that fight, he connects on Glover. And just Glover doesn't go down. That's the one thing that is never going to be gone from Tiago Santos is his power. His power will always be there. And he gets hit and he just keeps fighting and he comes back. So that's, a, that's the thing that I think is going to be very impactful in this fight. Now, the the other thing that I look at in this one is Glover... Is a good counter striker, right? He landed a really good hook on Jan Blahovic, but he can also get countered. So it goes both ways for Glover. And I think that if Yuri really wants to find a knockout, I think he can find a knockout when Glover is over committing on some strikes. And if he can really put one on his chin, I think that's Yuri's best shot for a knockout. Now, um, like I said, I don't think this is going to go very long. I, I think. Either Yuri Prohashka is going to get Glover Teixeira out of there early, or Glover Teixeira is going to wear on Prokhorov and tire him out. Right, one of the two is going to happen. Either if this fight is on the feet for three rounds, I, I struggle seeing Glover making out of out of those three rounds. But I think once again, if he gets that takedown, he's going to change the course of this fight. So if you're asking me for my prediction, I think Yuri hits Glover early and often, but Glover fights through that adversity to get a couple takedowns, get a takedown, control some position from the top, wear on Yuri, and then rinse and repeat, right? He can wear on him for three minutes, round ends, come back round two, he's getting hit a little bit, but he gets another takedown, and I think eventually on one of those takedowns, he works his way to a submission, and I think... Glover Teixeira wins by submission. I'm going to say Glover Teixeira by submission in round two. I know a lot of people are going to disagree with that pick, but I just, I really like what I, I've seen from Glover as of late. And while I, I think Prochaska is very talented and I think he will be a UFC champion, I just think that this one is a tough stylistical matchup for him, and I'm not sure this is the fight that he gets it done. I I think, like I said, I think he will be a champion, but I just don't know if he beats Glover tomorrow, so I'm going with Glover Teixeira by submission. And the other championship fight on this card is Valentina Shevchenko versus Talia Santos. This is, you know, how do I say this? Valentina Shevchenko is the best fighter in the world for a reason, right? And I think a lot of people really like Santos in this fight. I've heard some people say Santos um, could get this done. I'm not sure that she will win. I do think Santos will be a tougher challenge than Lauren Murphy and Jukagian and 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 Andrade and some of the other names that Shevchenko has fought as of late. So I do think Santos, I will give her respect in that aspect where I think she is one of the best fighters in that weight class. I'm just not sure that she beats Valentina Shevchenko. When I watched film for this fight, if you look at the Joan Calderwood fight, Talia Santos moves forward and backwards, right? She doesn't move much horizontally, but in that joint Calderwood fight, it worked because she was able to get Joanne Calderwood backed up against the fence and then once. Joanne Wood, excuse me, once she's up against the fence, she throws some power shots and lands a knockdown in one um, one time, and then later she lands a knockdown and eventually works that to the finish. But I really have a hard time believing that Talia Santos will be able to back up Valentina Shevchenko that easily. I don't think Valentina will just willingly move backwards. I, and if Valentina gets back to the, up to the fence, I think her footwork is good enough to get out of that position, whether she can move horizontally and really circle out of that position. And so I, I don't think we see that. And, and the other thing is, when, if Santos wants to come forward and strike with Valentina, Valentina is a tremendous counter striker. And then when Santos isn't moving forward, she's really just kind of standing there in front of you. Not much head movement, you know, not much side to side movement. She's just kind of standing there waiting to walk you down. And I think in those instances, Shevchenko will be able to hit her repeatedly. Because I just didn't see enough head movement or or horizontal movement. Um, she's kind of a stationary target and that really, really scares me for someone fighting Someone like Valentina Shevchenko, who throws in combinations and who is so lightning, lightning quick. And I'm already concerned about the movement of Santos, but Shevchenko loves that combo where she goes head, head, leg kick, right? And she hit it repeatedly against Murphy, and I think if she can even do that here, that it will even widen the gap in footwork and movement between these two fighters, and the big thing that a lot of people like with Santos is her grappling. I will give her that. She is a very good grappler. And she has some very good takedowns. And a lot of people look at the Jennifer Maya fight and go, Okay, well, Valentina got taken down by Jen- or by Jennifer Maya, so Santos will be able to do it. Well, Jennifer Maya got a takedown that led her to winning one round. She was still lost 49-46. I'm not sure that... Okay, let me say this. The Valentina against Jennifer Maya, I I, I think that Valentina has improved, right? Valentina seems to be getting better. I don't think she's staying stationary. I don't think she will be able to get taken down that easily. And on top of that, she is an incredibly underrated grappler, right? she is a she she showed some tremendous grappling against Andraj. she's gotten she got a takedown against lauren murphy if i'm remembering correctly she has done some really strong work on the ground since that jennifer maya fight so i'm not particularly sure that that will be the path to victory for santos either so what i'm getting around to is i'm taking valentina shevchenko I think she picks her apart from the outside. I think she hits her with counters, and I just think that adds up before she eventually gets a third round TKO finish. Now Wei Li Zhang versus Joanna Yun-Jay-cek. um For those who don't know, the first fight between these two women were one of it was the best women's fight of all time, and probably a top five fight regardless of gender one of the best fights of all time without a doubt i wish this fight was five rounds i think this is the perfect opportunity to utilize that new rule where you can have fights that are not title fights that are not main events be five rounds if you're looking at this one it's an all-time great rematch and the winner probably gets a title shot or likely gets a title shot depending on how exactly it plays out now um I understand why they didn't, but I think that's a good opportunity to take advantage of their new rule in that aspect. Now, um in terms of an actual fight prediction itself, I don't have the X's and O's on this one, right? If you look at the last two fights, I, I had some very specific X and O's that I liked or did not like from each fighter. In this one I don't really have the X's and O's. Here's what I have: I have three things. One. Wei Li Zhang has simply been way more active since our first fight. Wei Li Zhang has fought in two championship fights against Rosenami Yunis. I know she got knocked out in one. In the second one, she lost by decision. You can make the case that was a tie. You can make the case she won that. Regardless, that experience, I think, is good. Training for five round fights, being ready for five round fights, coming down to a three round fight. There's a lot of things to like in terms of Wei Li Zhang's activity. On the on the other hand, Joanna has not fought since. And I think that is not beneficial at all to her. Now, the other thing is in that second fight with Rose, Wei Lee got a couple takedowns and did some good work on the ground. I think that's an avenue that she didn't explore. Thoroughly in the first fight and I think if she can explore that in this fight I think she can find additional success on the ground and that can lead to her winning a round that can be this Deciding factor in a round or maybe she can control the whole fight with some strong wrestling But I think that's going to be a factor in this fight. That wasn't a factor in the first one The last thing is hometown judging right? Um, We have not talked about hometown judging once on this podcast I do not believe just simply because of COVID everything has been in Las Vegas Las Vegas is a pretty unbiased commission and I'm not saying they're a great commission but they are pretty unbiased you don't see guys from Nevada go in and get a call or get a decision right it's just not really the way that it goes you don't see United States fighters favored in fights in Las Vegas um There's been some instances where fighters from Texas have gotten some good calls um, and decisions in Texas. But in this one, it's a true, you know, we're really going on the road to an arena with fans. And the other one, actually, would be UFC London, would be a great comparison. But UFC London had a lot of finishes. Patty got a finish, Molly got a finish. Uh, Arnold Allen got a finish Tom Aspinall got a finish all those are finishes so we didn't really see the judging aspect in that one now in this fight Weili Zhang is arguably the biggest star uh, of the biggest MMA star in Asia she's massive in that portion of the world being from China and being the first Chinese born champion that holds weight In that region of the world i think she will have a lot of fans in singapore and what that does is every time willie lands a good shot the crowd's gonna go wild and that can subconsciously um work in her favor on the scorecards judges can hear the cheering judges can hear the support and that could sway them in close rounds right judges try to remain unbiased but when you are just hearing repeatedly you know the crowd cheering for one person and if this fight is anything close to the first fight we're going to see three very close rounds and if we see three very close rounds the the hometown judging could sway this fight in Whaley's favor and I think this fight will be incredibly close I have no reason to believe that it won't be a close fight if it is close for those three reasons I'm picking Whaley I'm picking Wei Li by decision because I think the, the the hometown judging may work in her favor. It may not, but it's a factor to consider. Um, she may be able to implement wrestling more effectively than Joanna, and she has been more active. I think all three of those things are slight leans in her favor, and in a fight where I'm very 50-50 on, I really could see either fighter winning in this fight. In, in a fight like that where it's truly 50-50 in my eyes, um, I'm going to try and find small factors like that that push a fight in a fighter's direction. That's why I'm picking Wei Lee. Now, um, if you haven't seen Manel Cap versus Rodrigo Montorin, was supposed to be the next fight we were going to talk about, but that fight got scrapped this morning because of weight cut issues. Now we will have Andre Fiallo versus Jake Matthews. I really like Fiallo. He came into the UFC on short notice and almost beat Michelle Pajeda. Pajeda is now ranked. Since that fight with Pajeda, he has put in some really good work. He has a knockout victory over Miguel Baeza, who I am still really high on. Despite some people not liking Miguel Baeza, I am high on him. Um, he also has a first-round knockout victory over Cameron Van Camp. He has stayed active and got some really good wins. I personally really like Andre Fialo. Jake Matthews, on the other hand, has been in the UFC for a very, very long time. 2014, I believe, was his entry. It was. He's 10-5 since joining the UFC. His losses are to James Vick, Kevin Lee, Andrew Holbrook, Anthony Rocco Martin, and Sean Brady. Sean Brady, Kevin Lee, James Vick. Um, Those losses are all pretty good losses and i know some people don't like kevin lee or james vick but he lost to kevin lee in 2016 at the ultimate fighter finale that's i don't i don't, don't want to say that's peak um kevin lee but um kevin lee was at a very good spot in 2016 if you look at his win over james vick james vick in 2015 that was the peak of his career and sean brady has been very hot in that welterweight division those are all not bad losses. Wins, his best wins are against Li Jingliang and Diego Sanchez. So he's got a couple good wins. Um, now, the thing about Jake Matthews is Jake Matthews is a very well-rounded fighter. He can hold his own on the feet, and he is a tremendous grappler. Very well-rounded. But I, I think Fialo is going to have a, a big advantage on the feet. I've liked what I've seen from him on the feet. Even back to the Michelle Pajeda fight that he lost. Michelle Pajeda is a great, great striker. And Andre Fialo did some very good work in that fight until he got tired. And the Jake Jake Matthews, well, he is a tremendous fighter. I just think that Fialo will find an opportunity to get a big shot on his chin. And he will eventually put him out. I'm not sure if it's in round one, maybe round two. um, But for a final prediction and pick i will go andre Fiallo by knockout in round two now um moving on in this card the first fight on the main card and the last fight we have left to talk about on the main card will be jack della maddalena versus razam imiv now, this is, you know, may come off as a boring breakdown, but um, these, this is a classic striker versus grappler. That's just what it is. Jack Della Delaina has one fight in the UFC, and he has proven to be a great striker, great counter striker, and he, he does really good at getting in and out of the pocket. He doesn't hang around in bad positions. He's either in or out. I really like Jack Della Maddalena and his striking. Razan Emiv is a grappler, right? He's going to go out there and try and grapple you. He he's not the most exciting grappler in the that you will ever see, right? I I, I love grappling, but Emive isn't the most exciting grappler you will ever see. So, in this one, can Jack Della Maddalena go out there and stop a takedown I don't know I really don't I don't know if he can stop Emimeve's takedowns but the thing is is I'm not sure that the UFC knows either I think the UFC could have very possibly possibly book of oh my good Lord I think the UFC booked this fight so they can figure out if Jack della Maddalena. can go out there and stop a takedown because if he can't get through Emeve he can't get through the top welterweights right if you can't stop a takedown from Ameev, you're not beating Sean Brady you're not beating Michael Chiesa you're not beating Neil Magny and you aren't even going to make it to the elite level of that division where you have to fight Colby Covington Gilbert Burns Bilal Muhammad and hopefully Kamar Usman for a championship that division is filled with a lot of great grapplers and if Jack Della Matadalena can't stop a Razam Imiv takedown, then he's going to have problems fighting the guys I just listed. Now, um, here's what I, I do know for a fact is Della Matadalena will be the better striker every time this is on the feet. And that leads me to picking Della Matadalena by knockout. I'll go knockout in round one. I just think he is the far superior striker. And I think he eventually lands a shot that can put Emiv out. Um, moving on, we now have Seu Wu Choi versus Joshua Cobayo. Um, this fight is taking place at Featherweight and really there isn't a lot here on a lot of these guys. This isn't the typical fight that you would see headlining the prelims of a pay-per-view. I look at a fight like Brendan Allen and Jacob Malkoon. As more of a better fight on the prelims, but I understand why the UFC went with some talent, um, some Asian talent to promote. It's why they're in Singapore, um, so it makes sense. But um, in this fight, I like, um, I'll take Sewoo Choi. I really, you know, he, both of these guys are good, right? Kubayo's only loss of recent is to Jalen Turner, who's fighting Brad Riddell. Um, Choi, he has won he won a handful in a row against Julian Rosa, Yusuf Zalal, and others. And his, his losses in the UFC aren't bad losses. And he's only 29. He, he has three losses in the UFC to Alex Caceres, Gavin Tucker, and Masvar Ivalev. I won't hold those against him. So I will pick Choi in this one. I just think I just like the strength of schedule, and I think that that can lead him to a decision win, a little bit more experience against the top fighters in that division. Now, in the next fight, we have Heser Mahasaste, oh boy, versus Steve Garcia. We went um one for two on that one in terms of pronunciations both guys um not bad fighters who do i think will win this one um i am leaning towards hasaire i'm not very high on steve i'm not as high on steve garcia as some people i do think he's a great fighter um you know, he's got a good win over Charlie Anteveros, Um, but he did lose to Luis Pena. I really could go either way on this one. I'm pretty 50-50 here. Um, you know what? I'll switch it. I'll go Steve Garcia because he has some UFC experience. Mahasate, he is making his UFC debut, and he's got a win on the Contender Series, but um, I won't pick him to win his first fight. Um, moving on. We have brendan allen versus jacob malcoon i this is another tough fight because i really like brendan allen and i'm not as low on malcoon as some other people and this is interesting because on one hand we have jacob malcoon who was a big time prospect or or was looked at very highly upon coming into the ufc because he was a training partner of robert Whitaker. But he didn't look great, and he got knocked out by Phil Hawes. Since, he has had two pretty good performances against A.J. Dobson and Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. On the other hand, you have Brendan Allen, who, you know, at one point, he looked really good. Where he went on a run and beat Kevin Holland, Tom Brees, Kaldowskis, lost to Sean Strickland, but then he came back with wins over Carl Robertson and Punale Soriano. After that Soriano win, I really, really liked Brendan Allen, and then he loses to Chris Curtis. And it's like, man, I, I really thought you were going places, but then you fall and, and lose a fight here. And then he gets back on the board with the win over Sam Elvey. Um, I won't comment on Sam Elvey's fighting abilities. But I do think um, Brendan Allen was a heavy favorite in that fight. So we kind of have two opposite career trajectories. We're coming into the UFC. Malcun was very high, stumbled, but now he's climbing back up. On the other hand, Mel or er, Brendan Allen was very high at one point, and now he's trying to recover from his stumble. So who's going to win this fight? I lean Brendan Allen. Um, Malcun is a great grappler, but I think Brendan Allen will be... Brendan Allen's also a very good grappler. So I think he can stifle. Some of Malcoon's grappling. And I think on the feet. Brendan Allen is going to be better. So I lean Brendan Allen. By decision. I just think he is. A more well rounded fighter. Um, Then we have. Kyung Ho Kang. Versus. Bantagrel Dana. Now as you can tell. Um the names are not my friend this week, but it's whatever. So on one hand we have Kyung Ho Kang who is seventeen and nine and Donna is twelve and three. And comparing resumes, Donna has five fights in the UFC while Kang has a lot more than five. I did not know we had that many fights in the UFC. Um, last last fight was against Ronnie Janja, where he lost via decision. No harm there. And then Donna is coming off a loss to Chris Gutierrez. Um, both have a handful of wins in the UFC with a couple of losses. Uh, this one is pretty close. I think it goes to decision. Um, I'm not super high on either guy here, but, um, I'm not low on either guy. I will go with Donna by knockout. Just looking at his resume here, um, win, knees, punches, and elbow round one, counter left hook round one, left hook round one, rear naked choke round one, knee to the body round one, win punches round two, and on the other side, you have Kang, who wins mostly by decision and with some rear naked choke finishes earlier in his career. Um, or just submission finishes in general. My bad. So, I will take Donna in this one, and I'll take him by KO. In, and we'll, we'll go round one. We'll take the, the spicy round one. And the next fight we have is Silviana Gomez versus Na Li Yang. This one is, you know, also not a great fight for a UFC pay-per-view. But you get why they're doing it. This fight is taking place in Asia. So there's going to be Asian fighters on the card. Um, Who do I like in this one? I really think that. Na Liang is going to have an advantage here. I I I don't really have much to say with this one. I mean it could go either way, I guess, but um I don't really have a lot to go off of. If you're looking at resumes, Juarez has lost her last two fights by submission to Lupita Godinez and Vanessa Damopoulos. Liang has lost her last fight but grounded pound but she does have a couple of submission victories on the resume. I will go not Liang because she is 25 I think she is making improvements. Juarez is 37 so I anticipate she will see a little bit of a decline and we will go with a submission finish for Liang and we will do it in round two L- last fight we are going to talk about and the only fight left on the card which will be opening the card jeslene edwards versus ramona Pasquale. um edwards is the heavy favorite in this one um edwards 10 and 4 pasqual 6 and 3 not a lot here um, the big difference is that Pasquale is listed as a featherweight, so I assume this is going to be her bantamweight debut. Yes, her she's got a loss to Josey Nunez at um, 145. She's also fought at 150 in a catchweight. Um, she's got a decent amount of finishes here, which I like. Some some a good mix of submissions. And a good mix of knockouts. Jocelyn Edwards, on the other hand, has kind of a similar thing. She's got a couple submissions, but most of her finishes are by knockout. Um, coming off two decision losses to Jessica Rose Clark and Carl Rosa. I am going to go with Ramona Pasquale. However, Jocelyn, you know what? Jocelyn Edwards is 26, so she's probably making improvements. Um, man, these these fights are not great on the on the to open this pay-per-view. I love the main card, but these fights to start this pay-per-view are not great. I'll go with I'll go with Pascual because I went with the older fighter. Or I went with the younger fighter in the last one. So we will go Pascal by decision. And if you couldn't tell um most of the research went into the main card and a couple of other fights on the prelims i didn't really look much into um juarez and liang or pascual versus edwards and um I kind of forgot most of the stuff i did uh, look at when i was looking at them earlier this week but it's whatever uh, most people were probably here for Teixeira and pro and the rest of the main card anyways i'll be back on sunday to do a recap of everything that happened so make sure you look out for that Um, otherwise i don't really have much to say go follow the social medias make sure you're subscribed on youtube and i hope you enjoyed this episode of the head kick kale podcast thank you for watching